looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by Northeastern by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want to host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You drive me wild. <laughs> what up, Crazy Train Radio? You look like hell. And I could look the same. What's the photo for? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Truth, 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 I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. I'm one crazy new is truly exciting and so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day and special seasonal gift sets. But also, let's not forget large orders for party favors by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansopery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansopery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends you. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. Hey, this is Don Beebe, the world champion Green Bay Packers and four-time Super Bowl AFC champs, Buffalo Bills. And hey, best thing you can do is listen to Crazy Train Radio. 
ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This next guest, and gentleman I should say, was drafted in the third round of the 1989 draft by the Buffalo Bills. In addition to his six seasons with the Bills, he was also a member of the Carolina Panthers during their inaugural season and wrapped his career with the Green Bay Packers playing in, again, back-to-back Super Bowls. Coach Marv Levy quoted this next gentleman as, What the heart of a champion is all about. He is currently coaching at Aurora University. This guest, Don Beebe. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm well, Jonathan. How about you? Can't complain. Nobody listens. So I want to start with the coaching career because as you were jumping on, you mentioned you were doing a recruiting meeting and you in our exchanges. I know you were talking to some recruits and just everything else. So with that being said, what do you look for in particular when you're recruiting talent? Uh, I look for three things. Uh, Character, character. And character. Uh, I could care less what their talent is. If they don't pass the character test, I don't want them. Uh, I remember when I took the job in 2019, I called Coach Levy, uh, who's now 96 years old, by the way. You would never know it. Sharp as a tax stuff from what I hear. He is. And I called him up and I said, hey, Coach, you know, uh, could we get some dinner? He lives downtown Chicago and I'm here in Aurora. And uh, so he said, absolutely. And we typically go to dinner once a year. Um, outside of COVID. <laughs> um, and so I, I went to dinner with him um, and I just wanted to pick his brain. You know, I was going to get into the scouting world and recruiting world. And that's, you know, obviously if you're going to pick the brain, somebody uh, do it of a hall of famer uh, and a person that knows what he's doing. So I went to dinner with Marv and I said, coach, look, I said, if I'm going to recruit a kid, talent, everything you've taken involved in, in a person, what would be the first thing you look for? And he looked at me without bad an eye. He said, character, fine character. And that's all he said. And, uh, and I knew exactly what he meant. And he filled his roster of men with character. And I'd be honest with you, that's why we won so many games in Buffalo during those years, because Bill Polian, the general manager at the time, who is brilliant, uh, and Coach Levy uh, stressed this big time. And that's exactly what we do here at Aurora University is we find character first. Uh, and then we start looking at, you know, his ability to play and, and all the things that go involved with that. Well, that is awesome to hear. And not too many folks I would think you hear do that. But it's funny that, and obviously I know your story, but when I was looking into some of the layers and stuff, I found it interesting that at the time you were out of sports and if I read this correct, because we know everything on the internet is true, that you were a 24-year-old construction worker and you had the itch to, I want to try playing football again and whatever. And all that being said, you actually reached out to folks within the Chicago Bears organization. So what is that story exactly in terms of, hey, I'm not in college anymore. I'm not this. I'm not that. You know, the traditional route you would take. So. What is that story? Now, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest view um, because it's a very long story. That's why, I, you know, I wrote a book on it. But um, is uh, I was recruited in 83 
to Western Illinois. Uh, I went there for the two-week camp. It was the worst two weeks of my life. I decided that this was no longer what I wanted to do, and I sat out, worked construction for three years. Uh, that was 83, 84, and 85. In May of 1986, okay, uh, I was a construction worker. Like I said, you know, construction worker guys talk how good they were in high school and all this stuff, and, and I had this calling and feeling that I wanted to go back and play football. Okay. Uh, and at this time I started having a passion and dream to play in the NFL, how I naive that was. It was reality in my life. And, uh, my brother-in-law talked me into trying to go try out for the Chicago bears. Now, granted, this was may of 96. So they are 86. They just won the Super Bowl in 85. Uh, and I'm going to try to go to their training camp in Lake forest and walk on their team. Yeah. I was probably pretty naive, Jonathan. <laughs> I sat in the stands I watched Lou Barnes, Dennis McKinnon, Willie Galt, go over to Bear fan. I knew all these people. And I thought, man, I think I can do what they're doing. Um, I wasn't quite sure. I thought it was as fast as those guys and all that, especially Willie Galt. Um, and Bill Poley, uh, not Bill Polian, but um, uh, gosh, his name slipped. Bill Tobin was the general manager at that time, Vince and Bill Tobin. Uh, and I knew who they were. And I, he was two rows behind me. So I walked up to Mr. Tobin and said, Mr. Tobin, I, could I get a trial with the Bears today? And he wouldn't even look at me. He had his legs crossed, making notes on a sheet of paper, hat on and glasses. And he wouldn't even make eye contact with me. He said, we don't take kids off the street. That's all he said. And I thought, and I had no idea what I could run a 40 at that time. I said, well, what if I could run a 4-2 or 4-3? Because I knew Willie Gall could run that. And I said, what if I could run a 4-2, 4-3? And then he looked at me. And with surprise, he said, kid, if you could run a 4-2-4-3, you'd already be in our camp or you'd be in somebody else's camp. Well, that was my extent with Chicago Bears, okay? And so I left, and then I went back home, started working more construction, and I was in June, uh, and I was set that I was going somewhere. And out of the blue, Western Illinois calls me back. Now, think about this, Jonathan, is they recruit me in 83, okay? I left their school. Now, being a recruiter in a college now, if I recruit a kid, he comes to me and then he leaves after, after training camp. Am I going to recruit that kid anymore? Probably, probably not. not. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Well, they don't call me for, you know, for a whole year. They don't call me for a whole two years, but three years later in June of 86, they're going to call me out of the blue. That's crazy. Okay. And I was just like, this is an answer to prayer, man. And there's no doubt I'm going back. So that's how my journey started. Uh, and I went back uh, and played at Western Illinois. Well, I do want to mention, because you uh, dropped a little nugget there, the book, which is available, we'll have links, Amazon, all that fun stuff, is Six Rings from Nowhere, yeah. which is an interesting read, more in-depth for those book readers who listen to us. And it, let me just interject there. Go to DonBB.com, only because I say this, you can get it cheaper. You go to Amazon, it's going to cost more. Okay, go to DonBB.com, it is, yeah. Yeah. if you want to grab it. So, obviously, you we fast forward a little bit. And your time in Buffalo, and like you said, you had, and I mean this respectfully, a cast of characters in a good way. Yep. Positive people in Buffalo. You had Marv Levy. You had some guy named, who was in a Hall of Fame, named Jim Kelly, who I hope is doing well, yep. last I heard, with yep. the health stuff. Yep. Awesome. You know, there's just a lot of, you had Thurman Thomas there, Bruce Smith, uh, you know, so there's a lot of great people. So... Was it all the great people, would you say? Was it Mars coaching? Was it what, or was it just awesome talent that got to 
your first four Super Bowls that you played in? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, is let me give you an example. You know, Thurman Thomas, okay, Hall of Fame running back, uh, MVP of the league, set records as most yards by running back in a season, uh, receiving and rushing. And um, and here I'll score a touchdown, and Thurman will be as excited, if not more excited, than I am. Uh, he would always be there, congratulate, and you. And it was genuine. It wasn't like he would just go to the sideline, why ain't I getting the ball like you see some guys do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the kind of guy Thurman was. And when your leaders were like that, and Jim, I mean, Jim is one of the most trustworthy people you'll ever meet. Uh, I'll give you an example of Jim's character. Um, after, uh, after I won the Super Bowl at the Packers, so I'd already left Buffalo, uh, my best friend died one month later from high school. We were best friends and he got hit by a drunk driver head on, shoved him into the trunk of his car and he internally bleeded and died the next morning. I wanted to do something for his two small boys, you know, two year old and a two month old boy. I wanted to do something for them, for their college education, because he was big into education. Well, I was going to put on a football camp. I literally put this thing together. First person I call is Jim. Hey, Jim, would you, you know, would you be willing to come to this camp and help out and, you know, so I can raise some money. And he looked at his calendar and he said, Beebs, I'm going to be in Miami, man. And I'll just be flying back that day. You know, man, I'm, I'm sorry. He knows. He goes, let me call you back. Let me give me 10 minutes. He calls me back like 10 minutes later. He says, Beebs, I changed my flight. I'm going to fly out the next day. I'll get back to Buffalo. I'll fly in that following day. I mean, he didn't have to do that. You know, he could have said, you know what? I, I can't make it because I'm, I'm going to be in Miami. That's, that's a true friend. That's the kind of men we're talking about here. That's why I believe we kept going back and going back instead of folding our tent or putting our tail between the legs and saying enough's enough is we just wanted it. And it was came from our leader and coach Levy and he instilled that into all the guys, but you got to find at that level, you got to find those guys with character. It's hard to change a guy at that age in character. You got to find them. And then, and then you just lead them like, like Marvel did. Uh, and, and I think that's why we were so successful. Well, speaking of that, how would you say he was as a leader? Because obviously you mentioned early on that when you got into coaching and scouting and all that, it was character. You mentioned it again there with Jim and Thurman, character. You know, it's a running theme, I think, here with this conversation. But as far as leading you guys, how was Marv Levy? Yeah, I think, I think the greatest attribute that any leader can have, okay, and, and this may sound shocking, but I think it's true, is humility. Because what happens when a man of a stature of a Hall of Fame guy like Marv Levy, okay, is humble, of, humble enough to know that he's not better than anybody else. He, he might be the leader, and he might have the final say, but he's willing to sit down. He's willing to listen to you, reason with you, coach you. Uh, he doesn't belittle, make fun, MF you, you know, I mean, all this stuff. He's just your coach and mentor. Uh, I think, and he's just one of the most humble human beings I've ever met. And anybody that's ever been coached by him or has met him in a hall, uh, a mall or a restaurant or anything like that would say the same thing. Humble guy. Um, and I think, I think because of that, guys just love them. Uh, when, and when you get into those games, when the moments are tough, you know, and, and mentally you just, it, it's like when you have a leader like that, it, it sometimes just pulls you through to get a victory, you know? And then you might say, people will say, I know listeners are out say, well, then why did you win a Super Bowl? 
you know, <laughs> and, and I'll tell you why I'm going to tell you why, because experiencing winning with the Packers really shed a lot of light of why we lost it in Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo's team was actually more talented than that Packer team. Um, and when we got to the Super Bowl, outside of the first one, we didn't play great defensively. I mean, it was 41 minutes to 19. The Bills had the ball 19 minutes. That's that's very hard to win a Super Bowl with that deal. Offensively, Jim played great. Thurman played great. Um, and we had the ball last. And Scotty hit the kick right where he wanted to hit it. It just didn't come in for whatever reason. Okay? So, uh, so mentally, we played great. Then you get to the second one, and the pressure started to mount again, the Buffalo Bills, and then we played horrible. Then the third one came. Good night. These guys, three in a row, they stink. They're not going to win. Then we lost another one. And then by the fourth one, nobody wanted us there. And the pressure had mounted so much that – and here's the key to winning the Super Bowl, Jonathan, is that the team that handles the pressure the most, because the pressure is going to be at the greatest, most likely is going to win. Okay, and here's the example. Super Bowl 28, our fourth Super Bowl. We're winning halftime. We're up 13 to 10, I believe it was. We're we're really handling the line of scrimmage. We get the ball first and we're thinking in the locker room, listen, let's just go down and score, get up 10 and like put this thing away. We're going to win it. We felt pretty confident in that. Well, we came out and within the third, fourth play or so, Thurman Thomas fumbled it. James Washington uh, picked it up and scored a touchdown. Well, there's still... 11 minutes left or so, 12 minutes left in the third quarter. And now you're only down four, 17, 13. But you come to the sideline, dead silent, deer in the headlight. Nobody's talking. Very quiet. Man, did we choke. Okay. I mean, we did not handle the pressure of the Super Bowl, especially when we got adversity. Well, they went on to score two, three more touchdowns, and we didn't do anything offensively, and we got blown out. Fast forward two years. Okay. Now I'm with the Green Bay Packers. We go in, we're, we get up 10 points. We're up 10 nothing against the New England Patriots and Drew Bledsoe. Next thing you know, Drew Bledsoe, early in the second quarter, I believe it was, hits two touchdowns right away. We're down 14 to 10. You come to the sideline now, completely different atmosphere. Eugene, Dan, uh, Eugene Robinson, Leroy Butler, Reggie White, all of us were saying, guys, we're fine. These guys aren't that good. We got them. We're going to beat them. Next thing you know, halftime score 27-14, and we put the game away in the second half. Two different teams, two different styles, but Green Bay handled the emotion of the game where Buffalo never did. Well, you know, it's interesting. You just mentioned a name that I was born and raised in the Philadelphia area initially, and Reggie White is like a god around here, another Hall of Famer and such. What kind of guy was Reggie? Yeah, Reggie, uh, you know, I say this often. Uh, Reggie and I were good friends. Uh, we had a lot in common. And you might not think that. Uh, I'm a small white guy from the suburbs. He's a big black guy from the inner city. You would think we'd come from two different different lifestyles. We would never be able to get along. Not so much. Uh, we shared a, a great faith in the Lord. We had a lot of in common, and we hit it off from day one. Um, me and him were very good friends. I talked with him for an hour and 20 minutes a, a week before he died on that Sunday morning, 43 years old. I still can't believe it. And, um, uh, he touched a lot of people's lives. Okay. And I will say he's one of the greatest human beings I've ever met. Um, I will always close, hold him as a very good friend of mine. And one day I'll see him again. There's no question in my mind. 
Well, I'm going to insert the audio clip here of a famous play in one of the Super Bowls, and it's the famous Leon Lett play. So I'm going to insert. Celebration and one. I'll give you the rest of it after this play. Fourth down and six. And right fumbles. Picked up by Leon Lett. Can he go all the way? It's a 60-yard run. He's being chased by DB. Watch out. Did he get across? No, they are not. That's going to be a touchback to Buffalo. There's no call yet, though. He has not marked touchdown. It was knocked out of his hands and went out of bounds in the end zone, which would give it to Buffalo at the 20. And look at Lett. If they call that a no touchdown, he's going to dig a hole and crawl out of this place from there. He's going to need a big hole. <laughs> they have not made the call yet. Was it knocked out of his hand before? There's Leon. He celebrated too soon. No, that's Jeffco. Well, he's got he made the hit. Leon Lett's still lying in the end zone. Now he's on his feet. And the call by him. The play has been ruled as a fumble in the field of play. The fumble went forward through the end zone and out of the end zone, creating a touchback. Buffalo's ball, first and ten. Leon Lett would have scored, but he slowed down to celebrate at the five-yard line. And when he did, Don Beebe, hustling, stripped it away. Beebe is the fastest Buffalo Bill. So, obviously, the rules at the time, it was with the end zone and touchback and all that stuff. Post-game, though, I'm interested in. And obviously, it was another loss in the Super Bowl. And you, the story I heard, at least, was you're sitting at your locker. kind. Of, everybody's kind of in that moment. And the owner, Ralph Wilson, comes to you. So, what is that story? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we just got blown out by Cowboys 52-17, and we all felt horrible. Um, we get into the locker room. Everybody's dejected. I'm sitting at the locker. I'm untying my shoes and leaning over, and, and you know, the owner walks in. Um, and he literally – you could tell he was on a mission to find out where I was because uh, he passed by several players to get where to my locker was, and he walked right over to me, and he looked me square in the eye. And he said, son, he didn't call me number 82 or Don or anything like that. He just said, son, he said, you showed me exactly what Buffalo Bills are all about. And he said, thank you. And he and you could tell it was genuine. He meant it. And it was and it, that was really the first time, Jonathan, that I actually started thinking to myself. Man, maybe it was something special because <laughs> literally I was I was dejected and upset. We got blown out and I was just doing my job. I didn't think anything of it. I really didn't. And so that was kind of the first thing. And then the second thing is, is, uh, you know, Scott Birchall was the head of marketing and had to get players down to the media room. And they asked me to go. And I was like, well, why do I, I mean, tell Jim to go? Who wants to go down there now, right? And they said, no, they want to talk to you about the play. And I said, what play? I scored a touchdown in the game, but who cares, right? He goes, no, when you ran it down, you know, the, the defense alignment. So I go down there and I'm telling you, it was packed around my podium. I couldn't believe it. And they all had the same question. Why? What made you do that? And I just started thinking deeply about all this and collectively thinking, yeah, why did I do that? You know, and obviously reflecting on this years later, what are we 28 years later? I mean, it's crazy. 
and we're still talking about it. Uh, it's still rated as one of the top plays in Super Bowl history. I still get letters, Jonathan, every day, every day from people either here at Royal University or at my home or at my old business, House of Speed, and people just telling me about this play. I got back to the stadium, and this is where it really meant something. I got back to one Bill's drive the next morning, and as the weeks, the days went by and the weeks went by, I was literally getting boxes, I mean, huge boxes of fan mail letters, hundreds and hundreds of letters every single day. Okay, and I had to go through all these and just read through these, and, and I kept about 20 or 30 of them, Jonathan, and a little thing, the ones that meant the most to me. And I got dads and coaches and teachers, and especially the dads, just pouring their hearts out. I remember this one guy, he writes his letter, and I'll never forget it. And this is one of them that I kept. He said, Don, I just want to thank you so much for, for running, doing this play because my kid, he's 12 years old, and we were just laying on the couch, and I didn't have a great relationship with my son. I've never had a really great conversation with them. And, and all of a sudden at the end of the game, it's another blowout. Nobody's really watching. All of a sudden my son pops up on the couch and he looks over me, he goes, dad, is that what you mean about never giving up? And he said, for the first time, I got to sit with my 12 year old son and have this deep conversation with him about never giving up. And he was just, he was just saying, thanks. I could, I could feel his tears through the letter of his words. I mean, it's just crazy. And, and then I started, and then it really kind of dawned on me and I kind of really already knew this anyway, but, but it really hit home. What a platform I have. Me playing the National Football League, man, it ain't about me. It's about impacting people. And then, and because here's the honest truth, is an hour before that game, I went out, beautiful day, Pasadena, okay? The field that I dreamed about that I was going to play on when I was that 10-year-old boy in the backyard. And I'm playing it. I'm living my dream. And I just said, Lord, let me glorify your name more than anybody's today. Not mine, more than mine, but I want to glorify yours. Honestly, I honestly thought I was going to score the touchdown to win the Super Bowl. I really did with no time on the clock. One, one-handed stab, corner of the end zone, make this grab, right? But no, God gives me the Leon Lett play. <laughs> Think about that for a second. If I stand on the stages across country now and I speak, and I do it all the time, can anybody relate to making a one-hand stab to win a Super Bowl in that, that audience? No. How many people can relate to Leon Lett? Everybody. Everybody, especially during COVID. So many people are giving up. So many people are throwing in the towel. And you get a guy like me that has this story to tell people about giving up. That, my friend, is impact. Yes. I got to ask, because we're talking about memorable plays and such, and a lot of people would you reference the, what is called the pogo stick play. So how are you feeling? Because obviously when you land on your head and shoulders and just the way you did, it's got to have some sort of toll on you. Yeah. And it does. I mean, I got to go see a chiropractor pretty regularly. Um, you know, it, it tore, what it did is it, I landed on top of my head and I've had many chiropractors and, and medical doctors tell me that if I would have just been a little bit left or right or front or back, I could have snapped my neck with that kind of force and, you know, probably most likely would have been paralyzed. So I was fortunate. I was blessed to just hit it perfect but it tore my muscle in my neck. So I've had scar tissue and, and neck issues, you know, but, I, and again, I'm not saying that to complain because I, I, I don't want to be that. Cause I'm, I'm fortunate. There's a lot of guys a whole lot worse than I am. I feel great. Uh, I just need to get worked on and, and, um, and to keep my body in, in as good shape as I can. And so I feel pretty good, Jonathan. So I got no complaints. Well, obviously you were part of two, I would say pillar organizations, Buffalo, and Green Bay. 
you played in six total Super Bowls, but like I said in the introduction, you spent a year with the Carolina Panthers, their inaugural season and such. So being someone at that point who was experienced in the league and how things usually go, being that they were the first year being an active organization, did you notice any difference on how things went from your perspective? Now, keep in mind, Bill Polian was the general manager of that team. So he was going to run it the same way he did Buffalo. Okay. And listen, I can tell you, I think Bill Polian is the greatest general manager ever to ever, you know, put that title in the end. And, and that's saying something because there's been a lot of great ones, obviously. Um, so when I went down there and Dom, Cra- Dom Capers, I think is one of the most classiest guys I've ever met. You know, he was the head coach at that time. Uh, very professional, very high character man. I think Bill Poling picked the right person to lead that team. We were eight and eight. I think at that time, and maybe still today, I don't know, is the winningest team of a new franchise in the history of, of the league. I don't think any new franchise has ever been 500 or greater. And we were eight and eight. So that was quite the accomplishment. Um, for me, it was challenging, let's say. Coming from Buffalo and going to four Super Bowls and, and playing all the time and everything like that, I didn't really fit into the wide receiver coach and the, and the offensive coordinator schemes. Um, and that, that didn't go real well. Let's just say same thing with Frank Reich, who is the quarterback at that time. They brought in Kerry Collins. Um, you know, it was good to have Frank as a roommate, uh, because we got to share and bounce things off each other because we were both struggling with our time there in Carolina. It wasn't a great experience. I love Charlotte. Uh, and I love Don Capers and I love Bill Polian. Uh, but it was tough, uh, you know, with the with the our our coaches, let's say. Uh, but yet it was a great learning experience. It really was. And then and then I go to Green Bay, and I'm right back into what we had in Buffalo. And that was to finish out my career. I couldn't have I couldn't have started and finished my uh, career than two better teams. Well, final question for you because I want to be respectful of your time. Busy coaching with Aurora University, as I said. But when it came to the Super Bowl, you did win. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but the story that stuck out for me with that was game clock is wrapping up. Brett Favre gives you the game ball. But then you turn after the game is officially over and call your family over who were sitting in the stands, your wife and kids at the time, and you give them the ball, your helmet, your cleats, whatever you could at the time. So obviously you've been through four losses in Buffalo, then to actually win it and wanting to share that with your family. What was that like? So, you know, I was a safety guy, so I was 10 yards behind far. We were taking a knee and we're going to win, right? And so I remember the feeling of standing there, uh, just looking at the clock in the end zone at the, above the hill and watching that last 10 seconds click off. And I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, I'm finally going to win this stupid game, right? And as soon as it went off and just, you know, things went crazy, I walked up to Brett and I got this picture in my office where he's got his hand on my helmet, you know, and, uh, and I said, hey, Brett, do you think I could have that ball? And he gave it to me, he said, Beebs, you deserve it, man. And so he gave me the game ball right there. And I took it over to my family where my wife and brothers and everybody was. And my two uh, oldest kids at that time, uh, um, Amanda, who was four, and my son, who was two, who's now just finished his fourth year in the league. I can't believe that, you know, now he's playing. And, and that picture, he was two. Uh, 
and I got to carry them off the field. And I got to tell you, man, if there's ever the greatest feeling you could ever have is carrying your two kids off a field when you win a Super Bowl, oh, it don't, it don't get any better. But I will say this, through all of that, through all of that, man, my thoughts really went home to Buffalo. I started thinking about all the guys I played with and the Bills fans and Mr. Wilson and Bill Poling and Marv. And, and I thought to myself, why me? I mean, I almost felt guilty in a sense. Why me? Why don't all those guys get to, because they deserved it, you know? And I, the, the phone calls, because we didn't have texting then, but the phone calls that poured in from my teammates back in Buffalo, from Marv Levy, from Bill Polian and, and all that uh, were just overwhelming. And then the letters that came in from Western New York Bills fans uh, to Green Bay Packers Stadium, incredible. And that's what we had. And so uh, I, it, was, it was anticlimactic. <laughs> Let's just say that. The emotions were all over the board. Carrying your kids off to, man, I felt guilty. And just trying to enjoy it and absorb it all in. Man, it was a, it was a time of my life. And to wrap, I think from everything I heard and definitely picked up from us chatting here was that overall when people mention Don Beebe, it's the biggest thing I would say, not only from your peers, but the fans and just everything. The biggest thing would be that you were respected for not only your work ethic, but just as the person that you are. So no, I you. would I wish you nothing but success coaching at Aurora, success in your personal life. I wish your son the best playing in Minnesota. Just everything that is surrounding you within your life i hope for the but nothing but the best don well i appreciate that jonathan thank you very much and if folks want to check out the book or just see his speaking engagements everything else like at donbb.com don thank you so much yeah thanks jonathan i appreciate it Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any other films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hey, it's me, Bill Mosley, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Ride that crazy train, and happy Halloween.